You are listening to Blue Lives Radio, the voice of American law enforcement, with your host, Randy Sutton. Hello and welcome to another episode of Blue Lives Radio, the voice of American law enforcement, here on the America Out Loud Network. I'm your host, Randy Sutton, 34-year police veteran, founder of The Wounded Blue, the National Assistance and Support Organization for Injured and Disabled Law Enforcement Officers. This has been one of the darkest times in America and concerning law enforcement that I could ever even imagine. On this program, we talk about all things law enforcement, but this is something that that so deeply frightens me from what I saw and the effects that it is having on our entire country, including law enforcement. I'm talking, of course, about the events on Capitol Hill just days ago. What we thought was going to be a peaceful demonstration regarding uh, the supporters of Donald Trump uh, protesting what they believed to be um, uh, election tampering turned out to be something entirely different. And uh, I don't get into, into Democrat, Democratic versus Republican politics on this show unless I absolutely, you know, unless the nexus is so strong. So I'm not really gonna, I'm not really gonna talk about that except for how it does correspond to law enforcement. But let's talk about, about what we saw. Um, thousands, tens of thousands of people descended on Washington and, um, and it began as, as a, as a peaceful protest, but it appears that there were other, that there were other events that were planned to take place that will have long-term ramifications for our country and for law enforcement. The, the, the unfortunate reality is that people lost their lives as a result of the actions of, uh, of, of a number of, I, I don't even, I don't really even know how to refer to them, insurgents, um, instigators. Um, well, one thing I can refer to them as is criminals. Because the actions that took place there were something I, 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 I that were something out of a out of a strange science fiction movie. The some of the videos of people attacking the Capitol Police, attacking the um, the Capitol building, crawling through windows screaming, throwing things. It's, it's something un, almost un, unimaginable on a scale that is, that is go, going to have lasting effects on our nation. Now, if you've watched this show, you understand my, uh, my law enforcement background and, and my belief system that there, there need to be consequences for actions. Now, over the last couple of years, we have seen 
what I am referring to as consequences for no consequences. We've seen our cities burn. We've seen looting on a scale that's, uh, that's, that hasn't been seen in, in decades. We've seen lawlessness. We've seen attacks on businesses, on people, on police officers. We've seen, we've seen our cities burn. And at the same time, we're seeing district attorneys who've been put into office who fail to prosecute for these crimes. We see politicians who do a wink and a nod even as their own cities burn. You know, one of the things that, that, that I just, I find mind boggling is as a result of this, this uh, uh, violence in, in the Capitol, suddenly politicians who have been basically not only turning a blind eye to the violence throughout America, um, but actually participated in making it worse, uh, suddenly are, are, are demanding consequences for the actions of these people at the Capitol. Now, I too demand consequences for that. But what's the signal here? What is the what are we showing to the people of our nation when political agendas suddenly become so incredibly transparent that no one could possibly take some of these politicians seriously? Kamala Harris is a perfect example. Suddenly, she's demanding the, the most drastic consequences imaginable for, for these people. I happen to agree with her. However, she's the same person that helped raise $35 million to get rioters and violent offenders out of jail on bail. So how do you how do you balance that? How do you look at her seriously and say, oh well, I I mean I got a respect for that. I I can't. I can't. This has to be something that the nation that the nation unifies around. That no violence, no violence is acceptable. There has to be consequences for actions. And it is because we have seen none that made something like this possible. These people didn't expect to have consequences. So how are we as a nation now going to move forward? Are we going to have one set of standards? Now, you know, and this is what I've heard. Yeah, this was one set of standards for these people and, and for another set. When, when did law enforcement ever open fire on protesters before? It never. Not with live ammunition, and yet it happened in this case, and a protester was killed. Has there been, has there been inaction by our leadership in the past that may have led to this? I have to say yes. Some of the same lawmakers that are now demanding the most drastic actions as a result need to look inward and need to be fair about this and look at themselves and say, you know what? If I'm going to demand this for this, if I'm going to demand consequences, it has to be universal. 
It has to be fair. It has to be across the board. No criminality should be accepted. No criminality and lawlessness and violence should be given, if you will, credence by the media and by politicians and by leaders. This is a time when America can make a, a huge change and can unify if fairness and unity can enter into the into the equation here if not i am desperately afraid that we are going to see not just more but much more violent actions in the future america this is a time when we need to look inward at ourselves and we need to unify and not come apart. And those are my thoughts on law enforcement today. Well, if you're like me, you don't start your day unless you have a great cup of coffee. Well, I've got the best cup of coffee for you. It is uh, my favorite. That's Law Dog Coffee. So what is Law Dog? First of all, it's delicious coffee. It is, uh, it, it's grown in uh, Costa Rica. It is processed and roasted by a family roaster that's been in the business for 90 years, 90 years right here in America. And it is brewed to perfection. It's perfect. Law Dog Coffee is available um, by subscription. And one of the things that is so important is that this company uh, helps to support wounded police officers through the Wounded Blue. And that's a, uh, what they're doing is they're touching a lot of lives. So not only is the coffee fantastic, it's delivered directly to your door. And you can get either the beans or you can get, get the ground coffee. Uh, the carrot cups will be coming here soon. And um, it's coffee with a cause. And it's, it's absolutely delicious. So you can... Enjoy your best cup of coffee, and you can help wounded police officers at the same time. Law Dog Coffee. Go to LawDogCoffee.com. LawDogCoffee.com. And remember, it tastes so good, it ought to be illegal. During this part of the Voice of American Law Enforcement, we take a walk into what I call the briefing room, where we talk about um, uh, articles that are in the news concerning law enforcement issues. Now, of course, the biggest issue I want to talk about is the uh, is the events at the Capitol. And you heard my my view on it um, during the preceding segment. But I want to talk to you about some of the little known um, aspects of of this uh, of this uh, situation. So Law Enforcement News Network um, has a source uh, um, in in the Capitol Police. And we actually had a great deal of information concerning some of the aspects that were little known um, until uh, the former chief of police, uh, Sund, came out publicly to some of the news organizations. 
And, and this is what I want to talk to you about, because in, in order to fully grasp the gravity of what took place and maybe some of the, the reasons behind it, um, it's important to know this. All right, so the fact that there was going to be a demonstration is it, it, that, that wasn't kept in the, sea, in, in the dark, right? That was that everybody knew there was going to be a huge demonstration. And who has the ultimate um, responsibility for security at the Capitol? It's the Capitol Police, of course. Now, um, here's the thing. And I was unaware of this until I was briefed by someone from the Capitol Police. Okay, so let's look at what, what in a city like Seattle or Portland or, you know, many of these other places that have seen tremendous uh, unrest and violence. It, the police chief is um, is responsible for the law enforcement function. But who is in charge of the police chiefs? Well, it's the city governments. It's the mayors and the city councils. They're the ones that if, if a chief does something they don't like, they fire him. And so the chiefs often have to go to the political part of the, of the cities in order to uh, make, uh, make plans for unrest and protests and violence. Um, in some cities, the, the police chiefs have, have uh, the final say and politicians don't get involved, but in many cases they do. But it's different in the capital. And this is something that, that I found very interesting because it's very revealing um, as to the information that we have now discovered about uh, some of the reasons behind the, the, the mess that, that happened. Okay, so the chief of police of the Capitol fully understands that there is going to be a massive demonstration. But he doesn't report to a mayor. He doesn't report to a city council. He reports to what's called the police commission. And who makes up the police commission? This is, this is very interesting stuff, and I think you'll understand. It's called the Capitol Police Board. Excuse me. Capitol Police Board. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read to you what this is. The Capitol Police Board oversees and supports the United States Capitol Police and its mission and helps to advance coordination between the department and the sergeant-at-arms of the House of Representatives and the sergeant-at-arms and doorkeeper of the Senate in their law enforcement capacities and the Congress. Consistent with this purpose, the Capitol Police Board establishes general goals and objectives covering the major functions and operations to improve the efficiency and effectiveness of its operations. The Capitol Police Board consists of, now this is really critical, the Sergeant-at-Arms of the United States House of Representatives, the Sergeant-at-Arms and Doorkeeper of the United States Senate, and the architect of the Capitol. The chief of the United States Capitol Police serves as an ex officio non-voting capacity. The chairmanship alternates, alternates annually between the House and Senate Sergeant-at-Arms. Okay, so what does that mean? That means that the chief isn't the ultimate decision maker. That, that this the decisions that, that he has to make when it comes down to tactical planning has to be approved by the Capitol Police Board. 
Now, why is this so critical to understand? Because what we saw at, at the events of, of the Capitol Hill debacle was, and I came out very strongly about this, we saw a failure of leadership. We saw a, 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 a law enforcement force that was overwhelmed by the number of people, by the tactics used, and they and there was basically a, a failure of keeping the, the the people in the Capitol safe. I I looked at what I saw and I said, how is that possible? How could there be no contingency plans? How could there been no no fencing up? No, how could there be no National Guard ready to rock and roll? How could there be no buses ready for mass arrests? Well, now I understand. And it came out publicly when, when because as a result of, of this debacle, the chief uh, son resigned, the deputy chief resigned, and the two um, uh, people uh, the, the, on the, the Senate side and House representative side that we just talked about, on the police board, they resigned because this was such a deep failure. But the chief came out publicly and and gave information that I would that I had just been made privy to. He didn't he didn't make the decision not to put all those contingencies into place. He was shut down putting those contingencies into place. So in this now in this particular case, he reports to the police committee. Okay. The chairman is Paul Irving. So he is the sergeant at arms of the U.S. House of Representatives and the chairman of the Capitol Police Board. Who does he report to? You guessed it. Nancy Pelosi, the Speaker of the House. So in essence, the decisions that were made to not allow the uh, activation of the National Guard, to not put up barriers, to not have multiple uh, 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 agencies in support. That was run up the chain of command and David Sund, or Chief Sund, who, uh, who, who re resigned in disgrace, is basically the fall guy. Now the question is why? Anyone could have seen that this was going to require a massive response. So why wasn't allowed? According to the chief, he had been asking all throughout, as he saw things deteriorating, he had asked the army for help. He asked the secret service for help. He asked everybody for help. And he was turned down because of this word, optics. Optics, yeah. Oh, how would it look to have the National Guard there? Well, now we have more National Guard troops for the inauguration than are serving in the entire theater of war in Afghanistan. Keep that little tidbit into perspective. So this failure that we saw that led to the loss of lives, that, that led to one officer being killed in the line of duty, one later taking his life in a suicide, citizens dying, both in, in, in uh, being one being shot by the police and several others in medical emergencies. This
could have been avoided had the proper measures been put into place. And the chief turns out to have asked for the proper resources and was turned down. Why was it turned down? Why did the, and in, in the, in the uh, inimitable words of Harry Truman, where did the buck stop? Well, the buck stops with Nancy Pelosi. So that's some food for thought for all of us. In essence, the now ex-Capitol police chief um, reported that requests for the National, National Guard were denied six times during the riots, six times. Now, that is uh, something that needs to be investigated, and they need to find consequences for the decision that was made and uh, uh, let's look into that. This is an investigation that needs to take place. Why were the resources denied that, that could have saved lives? The, the police officer who was killed, you know, this is one of those heartbreaking, heartbreaking um, events. Um, officer Sicknick was 42 years old. He was hit in the head with a fire extinguisher and inhaled fire extinguisher fumes and and uh, bear spray, um, other chemical irritants, and, and he lost his life as a result. Another police officer committed suicide just days after. These are all all of the the um, ramifications of what took place the heartbreaking results of of this violence and i i can't condemn it enough i can't condemn it enough those people who committed these acts need to be held responsible and uh let's hope that let's hope that maybe we maybe we as a country have learned something about consequences for actions you know all right let's let's talk about consequences again this is a story out of Seattle. Seattle chief, chief of police says um, more people have died from homicide in Seattle in 2020 than in the last 26 years. It's a 61% increase. 50 people were, were, were murdered in Seattle in 2020, 61% increase from the year before. And um, the chief calling... Uh, 2020, a year like no other, interim Seattle Police Chief Adrian Diaz said Monday that his department's homicide detectives uh, investigated 50 homicides last year, representing a 61% increase from the year before. Um, now, do we have to actually ask why, or is it pretty clear why that that Seattle, the, the leadership of Seattle, has been one of the most um what's, what's the word incompetent um ridiculous um let me let me find some more some more words to to be utilized here for my description of the mayor and city council of seattle um uh I, words fail me okay words fail me 
their failures as leaders, uh, literally, they have blood in their hands. They have blood on their hands, and it is and it is seen right here in this one statistic. Now, the the number of people who got murdered is dramatic. That's not talking about the massive increase in the shootings, in the stabbings, in the sexual assaults, in the robberies, in the carjackings, all of which are at, at levels that have never been seen before in history. This is the same city council, the same mayor that allowed and are still allowing blocks of their city to be held by by some bizarre group of people who who have declared it autonomous. I mean, what madness is this? What madness is this? This is the consequences for no consequences that I was just referring to. Because they have been allowed to set up their own autonomous zone where, where violence takes place every single day and there is no responsibility from the city leadership taken to, uh, to safeguard the people who, who are unfortunately are living and working there. You have, you have this as the, uh, as the um, um, consequences. Death, destruction, lives ruined, people victimized. Who is, have you heard one? one thing about the victims in any of these cities you don't hear anything about them there's like they're it's like they're suddenly they don't exist or no one cares about them the very same people who have been victimized by the criminal uh um, activities of of murderers and rapists and killers and robbers are now being victimized by the same people they voted into office. It is absolutely despicable. So when I when I read, and the chief didn't even know that the, the chief of the police, he's hemming and hawing. He doesn't want to say, oh, it's because my it's because my chief, the, the my my mayor and city council who were basically you know appointed me, uh, they're the ones that are responsible for this. I wish he I wish he would. Uh, because that's the people who need to be held accountable. And, and until the citizens wise up and vote these morons out of office and put people in that actually care about them, we're going to continue to see this, this insidious um, uh, embracing of criminality. Makes me nauseous. They just passed a bill in the dead of night. Illinois lawmakers eliminated cash bail, eliminated qualified immunity for police, eliminated collective bargaining rights for police, among other dramatic measures when they jammed a 764-page anti-police reform bill through the Illinois State House moments before the end of the General Assembly um, because at noon it would have killed it. It was not even, this is, this is from the Illinois Sheriff's Association Executive Director, Jim uh, Kaichuk. Uh, I'm extremely disappointed and saddened in the process, the lack of discussion with members of the law enforcement community, and the ultimate outcome here today. Um, 
The changes made today, if signed by the governor, make our communities less safe. And um, they, they passed the measure just before 5 a.m. and then immediately sent it to the House for approval. Republican State Senator Jason Plummer expressed his frustration. This is what he said. This is it. The criminal law overhaul bill, 764 pages. We received it at 3.04 a.m. and the debate started at 4.01 a.m. Who could have possibly read and reviewed this bill in less than an hour? Instead, it was jammed through the legislature during the early morning hours during a lame duck session. The measure endangers the safety of our citizens, makes it harder for law enforcement to carry out their jobs, and no denying this measure will put dangerous and violent offenders back on the streets. Um, police union said the reform bill specifically does away with qualified immunity for police, creates a special class of public employees in order to eliminate collective bargaining uh, and is, is currently guaranteed by the state and allows officers to be punished or fired based on anonymous and unsubstantiated, unverifiable complaints. It is, this is, this is madness. This is madness. And the democratic government of the state of Illinois literally just destroyed law enforcement as we know it in the state of Illinois. It 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 will make it will make being a cop there almost impossible. It will it will destroy the lives of the only people who are actually doing something about the crime in Illinois, and that is the cops. It certainly isn't the district attorney in Chicago. It certainly isn't the mayor. The only people that are doing a damn thing and putting their lives on the line are the law enforcement officers of the state. And now those morons who were put into office to protect the people have now just created an environment that is so toxic that is it is criminal what they have done. If the governor signs this bill, that governor needs to be voted out of office too. This is just, this is unconscionable. And this is, unfortunately, you know, we hear this, this defunding of the police, which is such, such an incredibly ignorant concept, radical concept. And here, basically, they've done an end run and they've created an environment for defunding as well. This is something that could happen in your state. This could happen to you. And this is why Americans need to be involved in their communities, in their political environments. I Believe me, it's hard to have respect for, for elected officials, especially morons like this in Illinois. But if you don't get involved, this could happen to you too. And, and so we're now, this just, this is just the beginning. This is like off to the races for the criminals. They are, they don't know that they just hit the lottery. They just hit the lottery. Thanks to the, the, the idiots in the, in their state legislature. Good job. I know we were a little disappointed because we've had to push back the brothers in blue bash 
for a few months because of the COVID insanity. Now, on October 17th, we are still going to have a virtual Brothers in Blue bash, kind of like a tease, and we're going to uh, raise some money. We're going to have some tremendous auction items. So uh, uh, stay listening to uh, this and go to the Facebook page, Brothers in Blue Bash Las Vegas, and get the information there. Now, March 27th, that is a Saturday night here in Las Vegas. The Brothers in Blue Bash, which is going to be the largest celebration of law enforcement, unity, and pride to benefit the Wounded Blue. It's going to be right here in Las Vegas. Got some tremendous tremendous entertainment lined up for you there's going to be a, uh it's going to be a, an event to remember fantastic hotel room uh prices at the orleans just go to the brothers in blue bash uh, facebook page and you can uh, make your um, make your reservations there you can get a table you can get seats you can sponsor all kinds of things check it out facebook page brothers in blue bash las vegas Fellow Americans, you've watched for decades as radical Marxists have systematically taken over some of our nation's most cherished institutions. And like us, we're pretty sure you're not happy about any of it. But this is the America we now find ourselves in. AmericaOutloud.com is fighting back with one of the fastest growing conservative media networks in the world features some of the nation's most influential experts and commentators. It is a fight for the soul of humanity. America Out Loud Talk Radio is the voice of liberty and justice for all. Well, my fellow Americans, how did you feel watching footage on the news of domestic terrorists looting our stores and burning our cities down? Uh, you were probably disgusted and angry as much as I was. It's disturbing what's going on. Well, you'd be shocked to know that your shopping habits are supporting these extremists. Companies like Amazon, Nike, Disney, FedEx, it's an endless list. And they've been supporting these radical groups. Let's stop supporting companies that fund these extremist groups. We can all do our part. Visit shoptotheright.com and you'll find businesses in a nationwide database and companies that are aligned with our American values. Visit shoptotheright.com and let's all make a difference. My guest today in the interview room here at the Voice of American Law Enforcement is Dave Shepard. Dave is a 24-year approximate veteran of the Federal Bureau of Investigation. Uh, he is a Marine Corps veteran. Uh, he's got too many things that I'm on his resume to list. So he is the, right now he is the executive officer for the Readiness Resource Group, a veteran-owned small business founded in 2007 based in Las Vegas. It supports national preparedness, enterprise, resilience, and infrastructure crisis and risk programs. And he is a man with a lot of a lot of knowledge about the uh, uh, about the federal laws and about interpretations from some of the insanity that we've seen uh, recently here on Capitol Hill, which is why he is here today. Dave, thanks so much for taking the time to be on the voice of American law enforcement. Thank you very much for having me. 
You know, Dave, you and I had a had a, a really interesting discussion. You brought up some some points about the uh, the Capitol Hill fiasco that I had not thought about. Trump supporters um, uh, lost their minds, and there was basically a violent confrontation that ended in the uh, death of one police officer, several citizens, one who was shot by police, and the, um, the and, and in fact, the suicide of another police officer just days later. Um, now, Dave, everybody knows that there can be criminal prosecutions that arise out of this, but there's a lot more ramifications from this than I think most people know about. Can you give us some insight into that? Well, one of the things people automatically look at is the crimes themselves. I mean, you, you have a lot of information that came out concerning the murder, the potential kidnappings, potential lynchings, all the way from assault and battery, stolen property, possession of firearms, possession of explosive devices. But still there's ramifications for people that actually went to the capital grounds that they don't consider. An example. Once you crossed over into the Capitol grounds, technically that is criminal trespass in some ways. It could be a misdemeanor, it could be a felony, depends on how far you took it. It's one thing to be on the street, to, to do your demonstration, to have that way, that's not a problem at all with it, because that's a normal under the Constitution. But when you start entering into the property of the Capitol and into the building, then other things take place. Now, here's the ramifications. They're looking at the people that attended that, that event. And if you go across into the Capitol, then you have another area. If you're a current military person, there's a possibility you could be court-martialed for that offense. And that's a violation against the Constitution. Protect and serve the Constitution of the United States. Law enforcement also could be looked at because they have a similar oath when you come over to law enforcement. Fire department, there's different areas which you can look at. You can also get back into the area of losing your security clearance. If you're a government contractor, if you're a government employee, you could be investigated and removed from that position because of your feeling of what happened in that event. Uh, there are most areas they have now on any of those positions in the government service, public service, law enforcement, there is a morals clause. And that's what they look at. It's a morals clause. They have ethics, morals, standards that you go through. And that's what we're all out with this. So some people may have to pay more actions later on down the road. Even to the point, a, there's discussion now concerning if you're retired from federal law enforcement. Remember, on what happened, you have it as sedition and also insurrection, inciting an insurrection. That's against the United States government. So people... Even new citizens coming to the United States, they swear an oath to the Constitution of the United States. And that's where this falls under. Okay, so let's let's break this down just a little bit. Everyone has the right under the Constitution for free speech, which includes protest. Thousands, right. tens of thousands of people descended upon Washington to le to legitimately protest their what they what they believed was uh, was something that needed to be to be uh, aired out. So we got we have tens of thousands of people there. Where does it where does it then cross the line into what may be considered criminal activity? 
the way it's looking at right now, no problem at all doing a demonstration. You're protesting. That is one of your constitutional rights. You're doing that. But as soon as you cross into the Capitol building, excuse me, the Capitol property off the public street, now you're into government property. And once you enter government property, whether you was part of the group that tore down the fence or you went through an area that was torn down or however you got into that area, you're actually into government property. Now you're in a whole different area. Now you've pretty much broken the law because you're not invited there onto it. There's criminally trespassed onto that land. Does it, was there, so the, the Capitol is open to the public, is it not? I mean, the Capitol building is normally open to the public, correct? They close at different times. It's not always open to the entire public. I mean, you have to go through tours with times. Uh, it is sealed, it's closed at different times. You can be into it, but it's not always open completely. But if you seal it up the way it is under this event, it was sealed up. Once those seals, fences got broken down or removed or torn down, changed the whole dynamic. So once that once that takes place, you know, it, it looked like such an incredibly chaotic scene there. Let's talk about who is who has the the authority to um, who is it? The, what is the law enforcement agency uh, or body that is that is given the responsibility to enforce law on the in the Capitol? Who, who is that? Well, it depends on what area you are within the Capitol. Uh, one area right off the bat is the Capitol Police. Capitol Police has all the grounds around the Capitol building itself and inside the building. Secret Service takes care of people. They're more guarding the people, not particular property or the land itself. And then whoever they have Elks come in, whether it be military people or FBI or secret, other Secret Service or any other federal agencies that bring in the Department of Homeland Security, they're able to give and cover uh, duties as well. Now, it, it seems to me, so now now that, that, that crimes have occurred, um, the Capitol Police are not an investigative body, are they? Uh, they do their own investigations for their department, but when it comes into criminal activity of this, the FBI and the Secret Service are the lead agencies. So the FBI, they've actually formed a task force of um, sedition and insurrection to try to go after the most violent people, most egregious of the acts that took place. Now, you've, you've spent your entire adult life in service, both in the military and with the FBI. Is this something that you have ever, ever encountered before? No, not at all. I mean, we're looking at something that hasn't taken place until 1812, where the capital has actually been penetrated. But back to the original point, to start with, people, there's ramifications come from your actions. And one of the things I forgot to mention when you're looking at this, if you're an attorney, as an example, you also take an oath as an attorney. You could be disbarred. And each company could have their business. The customers may not uh, frequent that business anymore if they end up believing what you did was not correct. So some of the side ramifications out of this, whether you're a university professor or whatever, uh, there are actions that could take place against a person once they crossed over that line into the property. Who is it responsible? Who is it re that's responsible for prosecuting the people that that will be that will be charged criminally with this? Under the FBI, it's the United States. Or it's the District United States Attorney's Office. 
the United States Attorney's Office has the main um, prosecutor for all areas, and all the FBI divisions right now are working on cases out of this. They're dealing with all the partners to try to have all everybody uh, identified and potentially prosecuted. And there are several cases that are open now. I mean, it's it's not going to stop. And they're going to go after anybody they can that was on the property that broke the law because this is actually against the United States and the Constitution. I had some discussion with a Capitol Police officer whose, whose frustration level of what took place here is indescribable. One of the things that, that he told me is that quite literally for years, the Capitol Police have been asking uh, that the, the powers that be secure the white, secure the Capitol in a much greater way physically with um, security barriers and, and uh, a much more robust um, uh, prevention type of environment. Um, that apparently has been has met with, uh, with resistance. And so they felt very, very vulnerable in that the, the, the capital was actually a soft target. What are your views on that? Well, they're making changes all the time. I mean, they made changes to the White House. They've added several different layers of fencing and other things around the White House. And it's back to whatever the government's going to decide on what they look at. I can't really answer what the process they've gone through. I just know from looking at protecting properties, you want to try to make it not a soft target, make it more a little bit more difficult for people to come in, stop them, uh, and however you can with the technology, with equipment, with the number of bodies, um, to try to change the dynamic on any particular group that comes in. You know, you, you've viewed the same, you know, uh, mountains of, of news, news footage and, and videotape that we've seen from this, this, this mess. Um, you know, from a, from a professional law enforcement standpoint, what are your thoughts about uh, how, this, how this, this actually took place? How did the Capitol Police become so overwhelmed? Well, everybody has their opinion concerning it and what happened. We can take a look at all the film for quite a while. And there's a lot of investigation to figure out how they actually penetrated. One thing I know already is if you look at the film... In normal area, if you're doing a demonstration, and you're going, even if you go across into somebody's property and do the demonstration, you go to the main entrance, the main area we can take a picture. This particular one, they entered on multiple areas at the same time, which is different than most other areas. They're trying to penetrate the, uh, the building uh, in more different avenues <clears throat> than it's normal, any kind of demonstration prior to the time. Uh, there's a lot you can always consider. It's hindsight's 2020. It's like playing football, looking afterwards, everything we can be done, we have to worry about where we're going to go from now and how we're going to take and change what happened now. And a lot of things can be done. A lot of things should be done to help protect it because that's essentially where this government and the democracy rests is in the capital. You bring up that, that there was, um, it, it seemed to be an organized effort to penetrate the capital. Um, multiple points that were that were breached do you think from your investigative um nature do you think that this signals to you that this was much more than just a uh, 
a coincidence that um, that people got out of hand and decided suddenly they were overwhelmed by emotion and 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 did this penetration? Or do you think that there's there's something else at at, at play here? Well, let's look back to what we've been going through and that what happened in the United States recently in the demonstrations. We had peaceful demonstrations going through, and then all of a sudden, some areas after a particular time at night, they started to turn more violent. Different group of people there. The original people that's out are trying to use their constitutional rights to demonstrate. And the same thing happened with this at the Capitol. There are people that were doing the same thing they've always done, and it's peaceful demonstration. They just didn't enter the property. That's what makes the change. There are still people that have that and Black Lives Matter or any other demonstrations we've had in the United States where they don't go out any further than what they already said or believe they need to do. Now, that said, you don't know everybody that's in those groups. You have no way to know the underlying premise of other people. You only know certain people you're with. You may not. You don't know everybody that's there. You don't know their motivations. You don't know their feeling. I bet you right now a lot of people didn't realize that people had guns going in there. You didn't see it before. You saw that now. Would that change? How would you feel now because they had pipe bombs? Completely different dynamic. Yeah, yeah. This was uh, this was something that that I wish I wish I had never never seen myself. Um, let me ask you about this, and, and I don't know what your knowledge base is, is on this, but I keep on hearing um, the term QAnon when it comes down to the the um, the group that they believe that the, at least the media is is referring to as having taken a, a, a major part in this in this attack. Are you familiar with this group? Yes, but still at the same time, you don't know who's all in the group right now. It takes the whole investigating effort of all the agencies to find exactly who's there, putting the, all the pieces together that's in the puzzle, making all the different social media connects. There's a lot what they're putting together now to end up doing that. You have no clue how many white supremacist groups were there that you don't know about, how many um, neo-Nazi groups are there. Who knows who was in that particular audience that showed up? That's what takes the investigation later on. We can't just automatically guess and say, hey, this group is, we don't know yet. Until they actually demonstrate that, show it in reports, here's what it is, here's how many people are going to be arrested, indicted concerning this, then we'll know for sure. And part of what yeah. happens now with all social media, you get a lot of things that happen where people say certain things. I do a lot of research. We do tons of research. And by the time you get done, you can't take everything on face value. We have to continue to look as you're going through. Sure. Period. And pause. Um, one of the things that, that uh, I have <clears throat> I've watched with, with great interest is the role that facial recognition is playing in, uh, in the discovery of people uh, and identification of people that were, that were um, uh, committing these acts at the Capitol. Um, you know, there's been, a, there's been a lot of public outcry about about the use of facial recognition technology. But suddenly, um, it seems that this technology is suddenly playing a major role in the identification of these suspects. What are your thoughts on that? 
Well, technology is always growing. It's always evolving. I do a lot of technology. I mean, I've actually sat on different groups for a number of years on technology, how we can add technology, make it effective and yes, unintrusive to the people and still use the benefits of that systems coming in. There's a lot that happened. Anytime you're sitting there with a cell phone, there's geolocating. It tells you right if you're on the property or not. It tells you if you went through this one particular fence or not. And that's how you can sit there and look at different people throughout this whole event. Facial recognition is one of the technology. Cameras itself is certain technology. A lot of the film people were taking their own pictures and videos inside. Yeah. A lot of times that's done to identify all the other people. This is going to be a massive investigation. I mean, this this seems to be, to me, to be one of those um, once-in-a-lifetime events, if you will, for an investigative body. Um, it, 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 what are your thoughts on... What are your thoughts on, on, on the capabilities of the FBI to bring this this case to a, I mean, the the complexity of this, um, how are they going to, uh, how are they going to, to handle this investigation? Well, the investigation overall, the one that's going to charge people is the United States Attorney's Office. That's where it ends up. The number of agents going to working on it is not the agents themselves. It is all the partners that's involved with it. This is a law enforcement issue nationally. The people that came to this event from different parts of the country, the FBI is reaching out and contacting multiple agencies all over the United States to have their support in helping to identify, locate, and arrest these people. It's not just the FBI. The FBI is lead on it, but it is using every resource, whether it be Las Vegas Metropolitan Police Department, LAPD, Salt Lake City PD, Chicago PD, State Police Department, it doesn't matter. Everybody is working together once you get contacted here to help because of what has been done. It's not one agency, it is everybody that's working together. Much appreciated. End of Watch with Randy Sutton. Each week here on the Voice of American Law Enforcement, we pay our respects to the men and women of the law enforcement profession who have made the ultimate sacrifice and given their lives in the line of duty. We call this end of watch. And unfortunately, this week I have more names to read. The first is Conservation Officer Stephen Rygard of the Iowa Department of Natural Resources in Iowa. Conservation Officer Steve Rygard died from complications as the result of contracting COVID-19 during an exposure while on duty. Officer Reingard had served with the Iowa Department of Natural Resources for 16 years and was assigned to Dickinson County. He is survived by his wife and son. Conservation Officer Stephen Reingard, Iowa Department of Natural Resources, end of watch, Friday, January 8, 2021. The next is Police Officer Melton Fox Gore of the Horry County Police Department in South Carolina. Police officer Melton Gore was struck and killed by a vehicle while clearing debris from the roadway near the interchange of Highway 22 and Highway 31. Officer Gore had served with the Horry County Police Department for 23 years. He was assigned to the Environmental Services Unit. Police officer Melton Fox Gore, Horry County Police Department, South Carolina. 
End of watch, Tuesday, January 12th, 2021. Sergeant Frederick Butch Cameron of the Fairfax County Sheriff's Office in Virginia. Sergeant Butch Cameron died from complications as a result of contracting COVID-19 while on duty at the Fairfax County Judicial Center. Sergeant Cameron served as the National Trustee for Law Enforcement United and ex was extremely devoted to the organization's mission of supporting the Officer Down Memorial page, Concerns of Police Survivors, and Spirit of Blue. Sergeant Frederick Butch Cameron, Fairfax County Sheriff's Office, Virginia. End of watch, Tuesday, January 12th, 2021. Lieutenant William Gardner. Lieutenant William Gardner died from complications as a result of contracting COVID-19 during a confirmed exposure while assisting EMS personnel on a medical call involving a COVID-19 positive patient in the 100 block of Rogers Circle. Lieutenant Gardner served with the Denver City Police Department for 33 years. He is survived by his wife, two daughters, grandchildren, and great-grandchildren. William Lyle Gardner. Now, it's not listed in the Officer Down Memorial page, but another officer uh, was killed in the line of duty, this time um, at the Capitol Hill riot. And uh, his name is Officer Brian Sicknick. He served, I believe, 13 years with the Capitol Police Department. And uh, as a result of the, of the uh, attacks at the Capitol building, um, died as a result. All of these officers gave their lives in the line of duty, protecting the people that they swore to serve and protect. May they rest in peace. Thanks for joining me this uh, episode of Blue Lives Radio, the voice of American law enforcement here on the America Out Loud Network. I hope you enjoyed. As we do every week, we talk about the things that affect law enforcement officers around the country. One thing I would ask of you is check out the website for thewoundedblue.org. This is the National Organization for Injured and Disabled Law Enforcement Officers. And if you love coffee, lawdogcoffee.com. Tastes so good, ought to be illegal. We'll see you again next episode. Thanks again. Randy Sutton, signing off.